This podcast is brought to you by Story King Books. Sign up now and get a free copy of my latest ebook, Launch Your Podcast Like a Pro. The link will be in the show notes. And now for today's episode. Welcome to the Story King Podcast, a show featuring inspirational conversations about the art and business of storytelling and living life. I'm your host, John Carlo, and today's guest is high fantasy author Spencer Steves. Spencer Steves is a Connecticut-based author of high fantasy novels and short stories. His large-scale projects began with his duty as lore keeper for his Dungeons & Dragons group. In his first year of college, Spencer decided to tackle a full novel, which eventually became his first book, Everything Under the Sun. He's already on to book two of the Astral Kingdom series. Here is my conversation with Spencer Steves. Spencer Steves, welcome to the Story King podcast. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So to start off, tell us a little bit about yourself. What is the story of Spencer Steves thus far? The condensed version, of course. At the moment, I am a young author. I was I always loved reading as a kid. My parents got me started off right. And I just loved reading fantasy of all kinds. And then when I got into uh, college, actually, when I got into college when I decided to start writing my own. Um, and I just had some free time and access to the computer lab and got out the first book, which is the one that's been published. And you're an author of what you call high fantasy. Is that correct? Correct. Young adult high fantasy. So what distinguishes the term fantasy from high fantasy? What exactly does high fantasy mean? High fantasy means fantasy with more fantasy. It's usually, um, you just add a bit more magic and then you have fantasy, high fantasy. I got you. So who are some of your favorite authors in the genre? What are some of your favorite books, the ones that inspire you? Uh, my absolute favorite author is Mercedes Lackey. A lot of people haven't heard of her, but those who do call her the queen of, uh, of high fantasy. Hmm. She writes a lot of amazing stories. Um, I'm currently reading through a backlog of some of her uh, older books. Um, and I, re- I recently finished her, the Mage Wars of Valdemar. The Valdemar is her main setting, hmm. and it follows sentient griffins who learned magic. And it's a, she does very well with building out the characters in, in the world and making such interesting, uh, and she does really good with like interesting political climates. It's really cool. Hmm. I also recently read, I'm usually not big into romance, but I recently read a something called um, The Symphony of Ages by Elizabeth Hayden, which was a high fantasy with a rather large scoop of romance in it. And the world and lore in that was inspiring. Hmm. So what would be like a major high fantasy series that we're all familiar with? Like is Lord of the Rings considered high fantasy or? Uh, that's That's more low fantasy, high fantasy that everyone would be familiar with. I like to read a lot of things that are more out there, so I have to think about what everyone would know. The, the story, if you've heard of the Stormlight Archive, 
and the eye of the world by and uh, the wheel of time by robert jordan mm. those are very popular uh high fantasy okay and those are books not movies right those are series yes are there any high fantasy novels that have been turned into a movie that you can think of i don't watch a lot of movies so i couldn't say okay so tell me about your experience with Dungeons and Dragons. I had another guest on recently, another writer that spoke about growing up playing D&D &D and the different versions of it. I've never played it before. I've been very curious lately. I'm a father of three sons, so I've been thinking about getting started with it. When did you first start playing and what's your overall impression of the game and its role in your creative life? Dungeons and Dragons, I started playing in at near the end of high school. Uh, a couple of my friends said, hey, we kind of want to start playing DD, and I was like, I will join. I need something to do. And it's it's an amazing game where you just get to uh, immerse yourself in a character in a fantasy world. And it's helped me with my writing a lot. I started a lot of my big writing projects started because I was the lore keeper of my Dungeons and Dragons group. I was the one who always took the notes, and eventually I was like, I can make a story out of this. And so I did. The first one was crap. Um, and then I uh, just kept going. And eventually, I recently wrote um, a, a fold novel based off of one of my recent campaigns, which is going to be published eventually. So walk me through. I had the other writer do this too. Walk me through like a typical game. You call it a campaign, right? Yeah. A, a campaign is a full, uh, usually can go, can go for months of wow. a D&D campaign, of a D&D story. Basically, it's a bunch of adventurers start usually in a tavern. Uh, they meet and they just, they start their relationship there and they go off, start fighting monsters, growing stronger as they do, doing quests for people, becoming, building a name for themselves and, uh, as you progress the levels, you start facing stronger and stronger threats. You start by getting yourself beat up by goblins and end by defying gods. <laughs> that sounds pretty awesome. Now, let me ask you, so there's a deck of cards where you would get the quest from, like you have a character sheet, right? So you're each person playing is kind of restricted to whatever their character is. And then where does the quest come from, from a card in the game? Uh, the quests come from the Dungeon Master's Mind or the book. The, there are published adventures that uh, give you all the quests. Or uh, some of my favorite versions are homebrew games where the DM comes up with it all by himself. Mm. It's And the ones who can do that well are absolutely fantastic. I'm currently playing a campaign called The Hands That Thieve. And it's been going for the, it's actually coming up in its last session soon. And we started off as just uh, people in the middle of a war between two nations. And now we're fighting an apocalyptic uh, vampire cult. <laughs> so it evolves. Yes. Big All time. Right. And how do the obstacles come? Does, do those come from cards? Because you said the, the dungeon master can come up with the quest. But then how does like the game get started? Where do obstacles and these goblins come from? How does that work? 
Uh, so there are several different books um, full of character and monster stat blocks. There's one called the Monster Manual that just provides a bunch of different monsters. And uh, it's up to the DM to design encounters, uh, design traps and uh, dungeons where those monsters reside that all together come to make a, a, a dungeon, which is a challenge for the player. So is the dungeon master playing the game as well or just creating it? In a way, because they are, they're the ones guiding the uh, players through the story. They are narrating what's happening. They're controlling the monsters and, the, and they speak for the NPCs. They're the one that you're trying to both defeat and befriend, depending on who they are at the given moment. But can they kind of like cheat and change the rules on you as as they go? They can. They shouldn't, but they can. <laughs> All right. Well, I can kind of see how it lends itself to writing a book because it's sort of like this collaborative storytelling. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah, that's that's what D&D is. It's collaborative storytelling. And my favorite part about it is you really get to you get to make a character and dive deep into them, see how they progress as different events unfold. Which is exactly what a, a story is. Yep. Very interesting. So from playing this as you're now, what's the difference between lore keeper and dungeon master? What is the difference there? Uh, lore keeper is kind of a self-imposed title. Uh, it's just, I'm usually the one who takes the notes and keeps track of what's going on in the story so that, when other people get confused and like, ah, uh, this happened, this is what happened. This is the quest we have to do. And, uh, and then eventually it just upgraded into me writing stories. Gotcha. So how long did it take before you started writing? You started playing pretty late, right? Like a lot of people start younger than you. You, you said you started late in high school. Yeah. I started late in high school. The first time I actually tried writing was middle school. Um, we got uh, computers in middle school and I decided, hey, I have a computer and free time. I'm good. I'm going to write. And uh, I got a couple stories, a couple short stories and one novel that will never see the light of day. Um, and we all have those. Yes, yes, we do. <laughs> and then in middle school, I tried again and I got a story called Alienaria Quest, which has now been through six revisions, each of which were around 200 uh, pages long. And finally, I'm on the final revision where I can say it's almost ready for publication. Okay. And how do you compare role-playing games that require a lot of imagination uh, to, let's say, fantasy video games, you know, those quest video games? Do you have a preference for one or the other and why? I definitely prefer uh, the more interactive role-playing games because uh, with I don't play too many video games, but the ones I play, I just feel like it's sometimes harder to really get into the character you're playing when you have such limited choices. Whereas D and D, the world is your oyster. You can do anything and make you can make a character. There are ways to make character do whatever you want, and you can flavor things however you choose. So the way that you envision things, you can describe it that way, and you're not limited to the animations the d development team put in there. Hmm. 
So tell us about your first book, which I'm assuming came from you playing Lore Keeper. Is that Everything Under the Sun? Is that the right title? Yes, Everything Under the Sun. Interestingly enough, the idea for Everything Under the Sun came from something completely different. Um, Everything Under the Sun itself came from, in high school, we had a uh, a project in one of my classes. I, I took a video game design class as an elective, and we had to design a uh, a board game. And I sat down and I was like, okay, where do I want this to be set? What do I want to do for the board game? And I decided to make it set in Sun's Reach, which is the setting for Everything Under the Sun. And I had a bunch of the characters already in mind, and I set them up for the board game. And then after the project was done, I set it aside. And when it came to when I got into my first year at uh, community college, I just went to the computer and I was like, I have an idea. And I took the setting and the characters and just developed them into a story. Hmm. Now, the other friends that have been playing D&D with you, have they read your book? Some of them. <laughs> what did they think? And were they able to see how you developed it from the game? Like, was it clear that you did that? I think so, yeah. I think definitely what D&D has helped me the most with is one of my trouble areas is writing combat. Mm. Um, but playing through combat in D&D helps me a little bit, especially when the DM's good is expressive and is able to describe a really good combat scenario. Okay. And is this book one of the Astral Kingdoms series then? Yes. And book two is currently at the publisher. Currently at the publisher, meaning it's not out yet. It's not out yet, but it will be, it should be by early next year, I believe. Okay. And what's going to be the premise of that one? Uh, it's a continuation from uh, Everything Under the Sun. Sunrise, Sunfall follows um, the... It follows more closely on uh, the knight Leonidas, who uh, was Emily's protector, Princess Emily's protector, as he travels the land and sees the signs of war coming up on, on the world. And it also follows uh, Amaru, who is one of the main characters of book one, uh, as she... Uh, continues her quest with her group of friends, uh, the Scions of the Rising Sun, uh, to banish the Chilfang, which are demon wolves in the who are invading her homeland, and they're trying to banish that threat and figure out why they're here. Hey everybody, I just wanted to take the time to let you know about my latest book. It's called Massimo's Mirror and Other Stories. It's my first collection of short stories. The book uses fantasy, science fiction, and fairy tales to create a world where a magical array of protagonists conquer their fears, battle forces of evil, and step up to meet their potential. Suitable for the secular and religious alike, these stories are full of symbolism and quirky characters, including aliens, robots, angels, demons, superheroes, 
gods, animals, giants, monsters, and dragons, and just the right length to hold the attention of children and adults alike, all 50 stories are crafted to entertain and make us see behind the veil of reality and perhaps teach something along the way. The ebook and paperback editions are available on Amazon. You can purchase an autographed copy on my website, storykingbooks.com. Also, if you sign up on Story King Books with your email, you'll get a free copy of my latest PDF resource, Launch Your Podcast Like a Pro. And now back to today's episode. What are some of the other magical elements of your series, both in book one and book two? Like, What kind of monsters and other creatures do, do we encounter in this in these books uh so for this one um for magic i mostly focus on uh druidic which is nature magic and bardic which is magic that has to do with uh songs songs and storytelling hmm. and um there's an undercurrent of uh wizard magic of arcane Mostly it's an undercurrent because of events that happen early in the book, which uh, sets the u- the unique setting of Sundreach, um, being that Sundreach is magically locked under the influence of the sun. The sun never actually sets. The lowest it ever gets is uh, kind of like Alaska, where it's that low, mm-hmm. uh, constant sunset, and uh, it's and it's magically locked there. The sun never fully goes down. The moon never comes out, uh, which is why everyone plays the sun and hates the moon in Sundreach. Whereas in the kingdom across the way, Moonwatch, uh, everyone hates the sun and praises the moon. I see. Now, are these supposed to be in another world, an alternate world? Is, is that kind of the idea? Yes. Uh, it's set on my own uh planet that i created for all my stories uh the planet called keyless which is a very magical world all uh, altogether i don't i don't usually like setting things on earth i like to use writing as an escape gotcha now you mentioned druidic how important is it that a writer of high fantasy understands like the more ancient aspects of uh religion and folklore and 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 magic because you mentioned druidic i would imagine you have to kind of understand the druids a bit to to write this stuff and is that also common in high fantasy like understanding those types of things generally yeah there's a Mm -hmm. lot of uh depending on the world you're in um there are a lot of different rules and ways the druids work um and every writer has their own flavor to the druids and but it is important that you see where it started so that you can develop on it properly gotcha and how many books do you plan on writing in this series uh at the moment there's it's just going to be a trilogy book two is at the publisher and i'm working on book three the novel that i mentioned earlier that i wrote based off a DD campaign does follow the child of one of the characters in the series i see so that's gonna be like a spin-off yeah, a spin-off standalone, and depending on how uh, things go with this series, we'll see. I'll probably end up writing something set in Moonwatch eventually, since the entirety of uh, the Astral Kingdoms is set in Sun's Reach and a second kingdom that you'll have to learn about by reading the book. Right. 
Now, how important is the idea of the series when it comes to writing high fantasy? Can one write just a, a standalone one-off novel and be done with it? Or does the genre sort of lend itself to several to a several installment saga? I don't say both have their place just, you know, just as well as the other. The standalones work just as well as series. Series tend to be the ones you see more often because the more books you have, the more visible you are. Mm -hmm. But if you're good at writing standalones, standalones are perfectly acceptable. And do you plan on building your whole writing career on the planet that you created? Is that basically your, your intent or you don't have any hard I rules on that? Uh, I currently have two planets. I have Keyless and uh, uh, Terrane Keitel. Terrane Keitel is going to be, currently it's setting most of my shorter stories. I have a novella I'm working on uh, called the, uh, started, it started with the Man Behind the Mask, and it's going to be called the, uh, the War of Blood. And I also have a couple other shorter stories I'm working on over there. That's more of a lower magic. So I have a setting for low magic being the planet of Terrane Keitel and a setting for higher magic being Keyless. Gotcha. So tell me about your writing process because you seem really in involved in your writing. You're working on several projects at once. How often do you write and for how long is each writing session? Usually for me, it's just a, it's a sporadic thing. I'm like, I have an idea I'm going to write now. Do you know about uh, National Novel Writing Month? Yeah. NaNoWriMo. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so they have classifications for writers. There's the planner, the pantser, and the planter. I'm a pantser. I don't really do much planning ahead of time. I just write as it comes to me. Really? I'm always fascinated by that form of writing because i feel like if you're working on a novel you can easily get lost if you don't have like a type of outline so you're saying you don't really outline your books no I, for me uh i actually read an interview a, a very early interview by george r. r martin where he explained that for him if he writes an outline then he just feels trapped the rest of the book. He feels like he, he's, he can't let himself expand and let the ideas grow because he's mm. just trapped that outline. I feel the same way. So I'll have like a very basic, like, okay, I know a couple places they're going to go, but other than that, I'm going to let it evolve. That's very interesting. I, you know, I tried that with my first book and I got like 30,000 words in and then I'm just like, this is kind of garbagey, but it was also my first attempt. So I think now that I have a lot of, you know, that was like more than 10 years ago. So now that mm -hmm. I, I think I've studied a lot more, I kind of have a lot of more good, in, better instincts now and more intuition. Maybe I'd be better at it now, but it's, it's scares me so much to write so much only to feel like it's not going to evolve into a, a good conclusion and then i'm just going to end up throwing it out you know so do you ever have that fear or do you just keep cracking at it until it makes sense uh i have that fear all the time but i also i temper it by thinking every bit of writing i do is practice even if it turns out god awful 
mm-hmm. as the first five uh, versions of Alienary Quest did. I know that eventually I'll have a good one, and everything up to then was training for that good final one. Well, that's a good attitude to have, <laughs> rather than despair, of course. Mm. So I'll have to try that at some point. So again, I have two last questions. What does it take to write high fantasy? If someone wanted to venture out into this particular form of writing, what would you suggest they first do to embark on this journey of writing high fantasy? I'm going to give you the advice that I'm sure everyone else does. Read a lot. Hmm. <laughs> Read a lot of different authors. See how they develop their worlds because you'll be able to then take inspiration from them and develop your own style by seeing what works for other authors and whether that works for you. If you read something, you're like, no, I don't really like how that turned out. You don't want to write that way. You just want to, you want to figure out what works for you and you'll develop your own style and be able to build an amazing magic system that will wow millions, hopefully. So read a lot in the genre or also outside of the genre too, or you mean mostly in the genre? A little bit of both. Uh, definitely, you should definitely read outside the genre. I recently started writing, uh, reading a bit of Stephen King, mm. and uh, very good. Yeah, he's he's amazing. He's another one. I'm not sure how much he outlines. I know he writes like two thousand words a day. That's his his output quota, so to speak. Mm. Which to me is a lot. <laughs> yeah, know? that's a lot. <laughs> there are I, some. There are like good days when uh, probably my best days when I can get upwards of 10 pages out in a day but those are few and far between how long does it take you to to write a book like your first book how long did it take you uh the first one was uh i was like i said i was in the computer lab i went there every day all every time i had a break between classes and i stayed for a couple hours after all my classes were done and i actually pounded out the first draft of that one in a month but usually i'd say my process usually takes about a year of writing and then self-editing and then taking a break and coming back and self-editing again now you said the first draft was in a month but that's spending several hours in the lab like you're spending a couple hours a day there basically yeah and then how long to get the to the finished product? So that was one month first draft, and then the and then final product. To get the final product. It was about a, a a year after that. About a year after that. So you spent a good year on your books, which is a yeah. fair amount of time. And not just a year, but you you do spend several hours writing on on your writing days, correct? Yes. Last question. This is just a fun one. Nothing to do with what we're speaking about, but because you play role-playing games, I think you'll have a good answer for this. If you could have one superpower, what would it be and why? Now, this is an interesting one. I actually found this one online and I was like, that's a really cool answer. Um, The ability to empty and fill things at will. It's an extremely versatile power. Like you can say, okay, uh, there is a, uh, like, there's a puddle in front of me. Uh, it's a giant puddle. I don't want to step in it. It is now empty of water. Um, or let's say that uh, you need to get to something and uh, it's just the place is just full of debris, empty of debris. 
or like, hey, I'm thirsty. Guess what? I have a full glass of water now. That is a super practical superpower. <laughs> yep. First, uh, the first I've heard of it too. So that was an original answer. Good answer. So Spencer, Steve, if people wanted to follow you online, if they wanted to buy your books, where can they go about doing all that? Uh, so I have provided you some links. Uh, I'm my first book, Everything Under the Sun, is available on Amazon. Uh, I also do have a uh, profile on Weedsy, which is a short, a very short story uh, blog website. Um, and you can also follow me online at Steve's Literature on Facebook. Steve's Literature on Facebook. Okay. I'll make sure all those links are in the show notes. Spencer Steves, thank you so much for coming on the Story King podcast and sharing your story with us. And thank you for having me again. So that was my conversation with Spencer Steves. All of his links will be in the show notes. Don't forget to check out storykingbooks.com. Also, you can follow us on Instagram. The username is storyking.podcast. I post weekly short stories, writing tips, and quotes from famous authors. You don't want to miss that. And please click like on our Facebook page. We're at facebook.com forward slash storykingpodcast. If you'd like to be a part of what we're doing with this show, please consider becoming a patron. You could choose a monthly membership tier at www.patreon.com forward slash thestoryking. All those links I just mentioned will be in the show notes. One more thing, if you're enjoying this podcast, please do me the favor of sharing the show with your friends and on social media, subscribing to it, and leaving a positive review on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts. I would greatly appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Story King Podcast, a show about the art and business of storytelling and living life. Please join us next time. Until then. <laughs>